Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Uh, one of the things we do at Faith Renewed every week is we go to His Word. We go to the Bible. So we love it. We believe it's true. So I want to ask you to do this. Take your Bible out and turn me to John 17. John 17. John 17. First time guest. We may be a little bit different, but it's okay. It's all right. Jesus was different. <clears throat> Amen. John 17. And uh, verses 20 is where we will begin. When you got it, say amen. If you're still looking, say please hold on. Do that. I got on a yacht. I'm up here clicking. Not that bad. Y'all, see, I got I to put that up. That's what I need to do. I need to put it up. <clears throat> yeah, if you're, if you're again, if you're like me, you may just want to put it up. So. John 17, uh, we're going to start in verse 20. And uh, just before we get into this word, I want you to just kind of know what's happening here. Um, this is uh, this is Jesus speaking. If you have red letter edition, uh, you know that um, these are the words of, of our Lord, our Savior, uh, Jesus. And uh, and this is very unique, uh, very important. What's taking place here? Uh, Jesus is getting ready to do this. He, he's getting ready. He's lived his life here. He is. Uh, he's, he's he's kind of basically shown the disciples. Uh, what they're called to do. He's poured into them. He's discipled, and he's getting ready to uh, get on a cross and give his life. And, um, and, and for you and for me, he's getting ready to literally uh, be beaten, um, be crucified, uh, eventually on that cross die. Three, three days later, he's going to rise from the grave and, uh, because, you know, you can't keep him down. And uh, he is alive today. And he's getting, ready, he's getting ready to ascend to heaven, and he's going to come back. But very unique what's, what's happening in this, in this passage of Scripture. Uh, this is his prayer. Um, we find him here uh, in a place of, of prayer. And it's, it's one of the places that they found Jesus often. Uh, literally, he's getting ready to be betrayed by one of those disciples, one of those that he's poured into, one of those that he's loved, one of those he's been for. And uh, he's getting ready to be betrayed by one of those, those guys, one of those disciples, and it's unique. Uh, they know where to find him, yes, that they knew he would be in a place of prayer, so they know where he's going to be. And so, again, Jesus prayed often, and so this is very important. But I want you to look today just for a moment what we see him praying. Um, in the beginning of 17, you see Jesus uh, prayer, prayer for himself. Remember, he was fully God, but he's also fully man on this earth. And so he's asking for the, from his father uh, for strength. He's praying. And then we see uh, the next prayer, the transition of his prayer, go into a time of prayer for his physical disciples who were there with him. All right, this is huge. We see this. But now we're going to see, pick up in verse 20, we're getting ready to see a prayer that involves us. All right, this is huge. He's getting ready to pray a prayer that involves me and you. And so he says in verse 20, he says, I do not pray for these alone, just those, the, the ones that were physically there, but also those who will believe in me through their word. It's huge. And as disciples of Christ, there's going to be people who will believe in Jesus because of the words you speak. If we're not careful, there'll be people who choose not to believe in Jesus because of what we speak. 
So this is huge. So he's praying this prayer, and he says in verse 21, this is how this will take place. This is how the people will know. He says that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Man, I love that. When we come together as one, it will show the world. It will make them have to believe. that. Hold on. There's only God can do that. What God's going to do in faith and need, only he'll be able to do it. And so they'll have to look and they'll have to make the choice. They'll have to believe by what they see. And he says in 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Come on, somebody. That they may be one just as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me, and you have loved uh, them as you have loved me. Amen. Think about that, man. That is just, this one in verse, we could read and go home and it'd be good. We ain't going nowhere yet, so hang on. So, Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. You've got to know God loves you, and you've got to know his hands on you, and he loves you just as much as he loved Jesus. So he is in love with you. And he said, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name. Something about the name. And will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in Come on, man. I tell you, I don't know about you. I want the love of God in me, through me, working in me. So let's do this. Just talk to him one more time. I want you just to join with me in prayer. Don't just listen to me. Try to put me in the background and put God in the forefront for a moment. Just talk to him and thank him for loving us. And God, we thank you today for your spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the presence of the manifest spirit of God that's in this room today, Lord, who's here right now, God. And I just thank you, Lord, that each ear and each heart, God, today, Lord, be open and be ready to receive today, God, everything, Lord, that you want them to receive, God. Your word is life, God. And I just thank you, Lord, today that hope, healing, the anointing, the spirit of God, the delivering power of God, the bondage-breaking spirit of God who loves deeply, God, is in this place right now, God, and setting people free, God. I pray, Lord, that same spirit will unite us. It will bring us together, Lord, and we'll stand together, united in you, just as one as you and your Father and you and the Son, Lord, are one. And God, we thank you for it today. Give you praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 High five your neighbors say you're leaving a legacy. Tell them that. I want you to tell them that you're leaving a legacy. You are leaving a legacy. Uh, today we chose to do this. We chose to, to give you something and, and to place something in your hands. Again, if, if you look at it, it's, it's pretty cool. Neat little, uh, it, they're keychains. These are uh, one of those deals. There's a little small print writing on there that says something about this is not for climbing purposes. So if you're one of those mountain climber people, don't use this. Uh, don't come back later and if it didn't work. Or your family come back later and say, don't do that. So I'm just, that's disclaimer. So, uh, but it is something that I want you to use. I want you to place it on your key ring. Um, I want you to place it somewhere where you can see this uh, even daily as a reminder of different things that we see. First of all, that uh, every person here is important. Um, each of us have a significant role and a part to play in what Christ is doing in this church and in the legacy that this, this church is leaving and what the legacy that your family is leaving. Each person is significant in that. So uh, again, you may think that, that you're not as important as someone else who may have a certain gift. I want you to look down today and see that every 
person in this room has the same gift, and it's from God. It may manifest itself in different ways or in different, different avenues, but the gift is something that God gives to us, and today it's all the same size. My gift's not more important, and, and, and you're not more important. We're all today called, and we're a part of this link in this chain, and it's called a legacy. Um, for some of you today, this may represent some of the chains that may have been broken off during this series. If, if you had a chain broken off of your life during the series, raise up your link right quick. Come on. That's, oh, wow. Come on. That's cool. Give, give God some praise for that right there. That's cool. That is killer. Um, I love it. Uh, you, you, today, this may represent... Uh, today, just certain things um, and decisions that you will also ultimately make throughout your life. I want you to understand that, that this, as, as you stick the key into the ignition and you look down and you see that, remember the choice and decision that you made today will affect tomorrow. Don't take that lightly. That's not to put pressure on you, but to let you know that, man, if I'm making the choice and decision to love God and love my family, love one another, man, what can happen when I do that? So, again, let that be a reminder for that. For some of you, uh, it may look down and serve as a reminder of you that something specific, and this is what I've prayed, that each of you, it may serve as a certain special reminder. Uh, that something God did during this series. Even if you're here for the first time today, I believe God's going to do something in you today that you, he can remind you of his love and grace every time you see this. Uh, for some of you, what's been real cool, this, this may serve as a reminder of your decision to follow Christ during this series. Come on, we've seen salvations and, and things happen, and that's uh, something, again, to get excited about. Today, if you're here, you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, this is a good day to serve Jesus, amen, and surrender it all to him. So again, there's so many things that are here, uh, so many things things, again, this can represent. Take it and use it. And uh, again, just as a reminder, again, to pray for a church. Pray for what God's doing here and be a part of that. But today, as we kind of, uh, we're going to do, bring a semi-closure to the series Legacy. Um, I, I want today to speak to uh, the legacy of our, our nation today. Um, and this is huge. Uh, so um, if, if you're here and you're thinking, well, I'm not political kind of guy, so it's not really talking to me. Uh, uh, this is just for somebody else. Or if you're a certain age and you're thinking, well, this is for the old folk and I'm, I'm a younger person, so this ain't talking to me or whatever. Or, or if you're older folks and say, I'm out, out of here anyway, so it's going to be a younger one. No, listen, every person in the room today I'm speaking to as we pray and as we talk and as we today deal with the legacy of our nation. And um, typically this is what happens uh, and when people gather. When they think of nation and when they think of government, when they think of these certain areas and things that are happening in our life, their mind will automatically go to a place called politics. And uh, I just want you to know today that politics is not the answer for this nation's problems. God is the answer for this nation's problems. Jesus is the answer for this nation's problems. And, uh, uh, and, and politics are very important. So we want you to make sure you sign up, you vote. You, you vote people into office who have uh, great values and are based on biblical principles and, and do those sorts of things. But uh, it, it is amazing that some of the greatest moves of God that are happening on the earth are happening in some of the worst, messed up, screwed up, government places in the world. I mean, literally. So some of us are thinking, again, politics is the answer. They're happening right now, nations throughout the world. Come this evening, if you haven't seen the movie Holy Ghost, and watch what God is doing in different places throughout our earth and our world. It is amazing. But some of the greatest moves of God are happening right now where the government is not doing its job. 
But the church of the living God is doing its part and stepping up and standing up and uniting together. And they're seeing moves of the Spirit of God that are changing lives, getting people out of wheelchairs and getting people out of graves. It is doing the impossible when we come together. And we're seeing this actually happen throughout the earth. And we're going to see more of that happen in our nation. This will happen. We're going to see this happen in our nation. And I don't know if you, if you watch the news. You don't have to watch it much. I watched it little. And that is enough for me to see that our, our nation is in turmoil. I mean, it is in turmoil. It is in bad shape. There are things that are happening right now. There are things that are happening in government. There are things that are happening in our Supreme Courts and in the laws and things that are going on right now that are disturbing. And so, uh, again, some of us may look at this and say, well, the, the nation is so messed up. But today, I believe God is going to speak something. And some of the things that he has shown me through my time of study this week have, have literally almost like physically blew me away. I mean, like, I've just almost kind of like fell out of my chair a few times with the, under the Spirit of God, just how strong the presence of God is and how much He's shown me. So I want you to do something with me. Uh, I want you to go to an Old Testament passage of Scripture, and it's in 2 Chronicles. So I'm going to give you just a moment to turn there. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 29. 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Got a witness out there. <laughs> Second Chronicles 29. And I want to, uh, I want to start in verse, verse 3 today. And um, I, I, want you to, I want you to please be open today and, and hear uh, his word. Um, it, it is it's, it's amazing to me what we see happen uh, in this passage of Scripture. And as I had um, just as a church, invited church, and we did it with some other churches or whatever, we spent uh, a lengthy time in prayer for our nation. Uh, we spent specific, uh, focused prayer for our nation. It was during that time that this began to come alive to me, and, and God showed me, I believe, some things that today we need to hear. And so, uh, again, you in this room, you are a part of this answer. Okay, don't think, it's, again, it's a, it's a left-wing, right-wing, Democrat, Republican thing. No, you're the answer. It's the body of Christ rising up. And so we see a picture in Scripture today of, uh, I believe, a picture of what uh, is wrong with America today, what's wrong with our nation, uh, what's wrong with the church. And today I believe we see the answer come alive, and I want us to apply some of these things. So we're going to look and uh, uh, just read 2 Chronicles uh, 29. We're going to read 3 through 11, and then we're going to come back and, and just kind of unpack a little bit today. So verse 3 says this, it's in the first year of his reign and the first month that he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. This is Hezekiah. The reign of the kingdom of Judah had been passed down to Hezekiah. He steps up, and then we see him begin to do some things because the country and this nation was in turmoil. I mean, the nation was in despair, distress, as bad as you can get, and he begins to do some things. And verse 4 says, Then he brought in the priest that the Levites and gathered them in the east square. And he said to them, Hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourselves, Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him and have turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him. Does that sound familiar? 
Wow. Verse 7 says, They have also shut up the doors of the vestibule, put out the lamps, and have not burnt incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore the wrath of the Lord fell upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he has given them up to trouble, to desolation, and to jeering. And you see with your eyes, for indeed because of this our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity. Talking about legacy. Talking about previous choices of generations affecting that current one. Wow. Verse 10 says, Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that his fierce wrath may turn away from us, and my sons do not uh, be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that you should minister to him and burn incense. There are um, a few things that stand out in, uh, in this passage today, and I, I hope you can, can again grab it today. First of all, we see uh, Hezekiah recognize the, the turmoil and the desolation and all the things that are going on. And he sees the great need for change, and he does not go to the White House. He goes to the church house. Hear that? I, I, just please. He's, he does not get together and stand out in front of the White House and hold picket signs and yell. I'm not saying that there's not even a place for that. There, there is, and there may be. There may be something that rises up or that is needed even more. I don't know, but I'm not talking about that today. The answer is not, again, the White House. The answer is what he is doing and God wants to do in his house. And I believe def, def, desperately we have to come and grab hold of this today and see Billy Graham could be president of America and it will still continue to go and move into despair if the church doesn't rise up and change. It is true. And we have to grab this. We have to see this today. And in this first passage here, we see in verse 3, we see something begin to take place that, that Hezekiah sees the need for change. And he says in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house. He opened the doors of the house. The first thing that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to open up the doors of the house. And so today, I want you to please see that this is speaking and being about our nation. This is speaking about our church, but the church is made up of something called people. So this has to be an individual choice. This has to be a decision. This has to be a place that we come and we realize and see the need. And so we see in Scripture that he does this. He opens up and goes to the temple. He goes to the place where God resided. Today, we are the temple of God. We are his temple. We are the, we are the ones that he has set to carry forth, to change the world. The, the Scripture said the disciples turned the world upside down. And what's happened through time, it's turned back. And there needs to be a church that rises up underneath the presence of a God who is alive today and turn the nation back to the direction that it's called to, back to a nation of service of him once again. We have to do this. But it happens when we do this. It happens when we give entrance to God. It happens when we give interest to God. He said that he came into this place. He knew and has heard and heard the stories of what had taken place in the temple. He had heard the stories about the presence of God who would show up in that holy place that would consume and burn and that life would come in and change. He would see come out of that and he'd heard the stories of the prayers for nations that had come forth and he would see people come out of that holy place and hold up their hands and entire nations come to Christ. He'd heard the stories, but he had also done this. 
He has seen with his own eyes a nation in turmoil. He has seen a nation turn away from that again. He, has, he had watched his nation turn away and things begin to take place and begin to happen. And today I'm speaking to you specifically, every person in this room. You have to do this. You have to give entrance to God in your life. You have to open up the doors and invite him in. Get every person. And when you let him in, give him entrance and give him the key to every room in your house. For so many times we do this. We come in and we'll let him come in. I mean, he means you, he's invited, you know, the uh, little family over and you're going to ha- have the visitors come over and spend a little time with you. Or, you know, to, it's a little family to get together, whatever. So you do this. You take everything and you pile it into one room. You barely get the door shut and you close it. And then everything else is nice. Candles are burning. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and then, then the in-laws come over, they see it. And then the other little family members come over, they start thinking, man, they got their stuff together in this house. What other house look like this? And they don't know what's happening in that other room. Some of y'all are like, no, I don't have that in my house. I promise you that you got a junk drawer. You got a junk drawer, and you hope it's not, you don't have to go to that junk drawer to find what you need because you'll never get it closed again. And, and everything, all the junk's in a certain place. Today, do this. Give God entrance into every room in your life. I promise you, open up the doors and say this, God, I want you to come into my junk room. I want you to come into my house. I want you because I've seen this, and this is where we have to come to. We have to see that what we've been doing isn't working. We have to see that. What we have been doing isn't working, and there has to be a change that happens, and it starts with this. You saying, God, come back in. You have entrance today. Hezekiah saw the need that in the church, in what's supposed to be God's house, his holy temple, his presence, the doors had been closed up, and he was no longer allowed in his own home. Did they do this? Say, God, open my heart to you. I give interest into every place. Come in today. Come and reveal yourself to me. Second thing is we see this, and it's, 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 it's really it's, it's powerful. We see that in this text today that we first see Hezekiah understand the need for a holy God again in his presence. He opens up the doors, and he repairs them, and he gets them ready, and he opens it up. And then we see down in verse 5, it says this, and he said to them, he's speaking to priests here. He says to the priests, hear me, Levites. It was a Levitical order of priesthood. Then he said this, he said, now sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of our fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Carry out the rubbish from the holy place. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's a time that we're living in where the left's blaming the right and the right wing brain blaming the left wing and, and this person wants to do this. Listen to me. That's how they make their money. That's what they're going to do. Politics is never going to change. Politics is always going to be politics. Well, I'm not a fan of it, but it, that's why we'll, we see this. But we have to come to the place to where we recognize because of what we have done, because of the nation, and let's take some ownership for us personally, because of the things in our life, we have allowed junk, we've allowed rubbish to come in, we've allowed things to happen. And we see in Scripture, one of, well, I believe probably one of the most life-changing things that God has ever shown me, it was, it was Hezekiah's daddy, King Ahaz, who had made some choices that put this nation in the situation that it was in. 
We see in 2 Kings, you don't have to turn there, but I want you to just jot the reference down. In 2 Kings chapter 16, starting at verse 10, I want you to please see what happens here and why this nation was in turmoil. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible just because it's just simple and it's just easy to understand. We see this. This is where some things begin to change for that nation. And this is what will happen in our life. And we'll see it. Some of you can connect with what we're getting ready to see because of previous generations. It says that King Ahaz went to meet Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria in Damascus. The altar in Damascus made a great impression on him. And he sent back to Uriah the priest a drawing and a set of blueprints of the altar. Now, you know, see this again. This is not a temple that housed the presence of God. This was, this was idol worship. This was pagan gods. And he, he witnessed and he saw the temple. He saw an altar. He saw something that made a great impression upon his eyes. He liked what he saw. He wanted, to, he wanted literally what he saw instead of God's presence. He wanted, he wanted something that was temporal instead of something that, that was eternal. And he saw that he was willing to give up what he knew his forefathers had placed in line for the presence of God to reign in that, in, that, in that nation. And he does this. He sees it. He sends back a drawing to the priest of the temple, Uriah, and he says to do this. I want you to duplicate this altar. I, I, please hear it. I want you to duplicate this altar. I want, no longer do I want, again, in the altar, you have to understand the altar in the temple of God was built by specific design. I mean, it was a clear order. It was blueprints laid out. You build it this way. God's very clear. He's a God of order. And things have to be in place in our life to receive what he has for us. And so he does this. He tells them to draw it this way. And then he sends it to Uriah, the priest. And the priest built the altar to the specifications that King Ahaz has sent from Damascus. You see where it went wrong? Was that bad king? He sent the picture and the blueprints to the priest. And in that moment, the church should have stood up. In that moment, Uriah should have stood up and he says, there's no place for a pagan god in God's house. There's no place for the presence of the enemy in a place that has the presence of a living God in it. And he does this. He makes the mistake. And, and this is what happens when the church is silent, when they should stand up and make their voice heard and be an example of the living God. They, they re, he refuses to stand up and he does this. He conforms to the world And instead of making the world come and conform to what God's called them to be. And so he does this in in, in verse 11. It says, Uriah the priest built the altar to specifications of King Ahaz. He sent from Damascus. And by the time the king returned from Damascus, Uriah had completed the altar. The minute the king saw the altar, he approached it with reverence. He approached it with reverence. And arranged a service of worship with a full course of offerings. The things that he was once giving to God, he was giving to a pagan God now. And the, once, the thing that he was once giving to, 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 to the living God, he was giving to an idol. And literally, he goes through the motions. And we see this today, and we're saying, man, we're, we're so far from that. We don't think that we, we do that sort of thing. We may not call together everybody and say, let's gather around and worship a false God, but it's happening. It's taking place all around us. And today they're worshiping other things. And what's supposed to be given to God is given to other things. And it's given to things that may be pleasing in our sight. And he sees this. He calls for this uh, this service for everybody to come together. In verse 13 it says, Whole burnt offerings with billows of smoke, grain offerings, uh, libations of drink offerings, the sprinkling of blood from the peace offering, the works. 
Everything that what was once given to God was now given to false gods. But the old bronze altar that signaled the presence of God, he displaced it from its central place and pushed it off to the side of his new altar. Watch it. Saw it with his eyes. Conceived it in his heart. Sent forth the image to the church. Refused to stand up. The priest at least tried to do this. He took the altar. He built it by specific design. Placed it there in the temple. But he tried to do this. He tried to place it just kind of off to the side. But when the political government came in and stepped in, when the king came in the room that day, he saw it in the house. And the scripture says he does this. He takes what was just supposed to be off to the side. Listen, don't ever open the door and let the enemy in. Please hear it. Don't open up the door and let the enemy in. And you, you'll say, well, it's no big deal. I can still have God right here in the center. I can still do this too. You watch what will happen before it's all said and done. The thing that is placed off to the side becomes a center in the forefront in the very temple of your heart. And you see in this message here in, this, in the scripture that the, this king comes in and he takes what was once the bronze altar of God that represents and signified and lived the presence of God there. He took it and it says he placed it off to the side For his new altar. Verse 15. King Ahaz ordered Uriah the priest. From now on. Offer all the sacrifices of the new altar. To the new altar. The great altar. Morning. Whole burnt offerings. Evenings. Grain offerings. The kings. Whole burnt offerings. Grain offerings. The people. Whole burnt offerings. And grain. It gets crazy. Drink offerings. Splash all the blood from the burnt offerings and sacrifices against this altar now. The old bronze altar will be, for now, my personal use. The priest Uriah followed King Ahab's, Ahaz's orders to the letter. Wow. And I know it, it's easy to jump on board, and, and I've done it. It's easy to get ticked off when we see stuff going on in our government. It's easy to jump up and get mad and say, man, we got to do this, man. There's got to be cleaning in the White House, and it's got to be cleaning in this house. The Senate's got to go, and that's got to go. Listen, there needs to be cleaning in our house. And it's only Christ that can do this for us. It's only him that we can come and allow these things to take place in our heart. And we see this. We see in Scripture that the the priest were the ones who should, should have stood up and made a difference. It was the priest who should have come in and stood up. And so listen, we even try to read things like this and say, yeah, it's the pastors now. They need to stand up. Listen, listen, you are today a part of a royal priesthood. You are a part of a royal priesthood. Jesus is our high priest. But no longer today is there someone else that should be going and making sacrifice for you. There's no priest that can do that. There's no priest that can take my sins to God. There's only one. It's the high priest Jesus who came to settle forever the sin issue for me in my life. And so we have to come to him. And it says in scripture that they came. And it said he did. King Hezekiah brought back in the priest. And he brought back in. And he began to do this. Began to see the need and the reason for change. And listen, if the, if the White House is going to change, if the nation will change, it was going to change politically, it's got to start changing in us. It's got to start changing in our hearts. And so we see here, we must see the need for openness, entrance into him, letting him in. We need to evaluate, look at our situation, remove anything that's tried to place itself in. And today, you may not physically have something that you're placing before God. But listen, if you search your heart, he'll reveal things to you. 
And it should be an ongoing process. Well, God's grace and Jesus is good, and so we don't ever listen to me. You better search your heart daily. Better search your hearts daily. And we open up our hearts and we say this. And then I love what we see happen in Scripture. We see unfolding the open doors, the entrance to where God can come in. And once again, and where people can come into his presence, it said it's time to get the mess and the rubbish out of the house of God. It's time for things to begin to change. And he takes now the priests, me and you, the royal priesthood. And he takes today and they begin to do something. And it says in verse 11, it says, my sons... Do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him. To serve him. And that you should minister to him and burn incense. There's so many things that happen ceremonially and in Scripture that are so powerful. We, we've... And we're under a new, a new covenant, and I'm so thankful for Jesus. And again, I'm thankful that he got on that cross, and that he's praying unity for his body and, and for his bride. But there are things that happened in the Old Testament that were never supposed to change and are still happening and should be happening today in the New Testament, but it looks a little bit different. It's no longer today a sacrifice, us coming in physically and setting a, a burning incense that goes up before the Holy God in the natural. It's something that God does now, and we become today the incense and the burning ones for God. We sung a song just a few moments ago, and, and I, I, don't, I think so many times we go through those things and we sing those things and we don't think about what's saying. That word, that song was saying that we, God, are your burning ones. We are the ones who are supposed to set ablaze for you. Psalms 141.2 says this. He says, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as he evening sacrifice to you. We see in Revelations 8, 4, 5, he says that, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascending before God from the angel's hands. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquakes. Listen to me. You got to hear today. Listen, it's when God's people come together and say, God, I want to burn for you. I want to be your flame. I, want, I set a fire, God, in my soul that I can't contain. And I want to burn for you. And I, I, I want my life to be that for you. And it's no longer today a ceremonial thing that we do, but it's a sacrifice of our heart. And it's going to happen. And we will see today, the, the, literally, the nation that we come to call home change before our eyes if we'll burn for him. If we'll say, God, I want to burn, I want to come to that place. In John 17, in our text today, that word glory in that opening text that he gave to him. Listen, it says this. It's in the Greek that it's, it's the word doxa, which means the brightness or the permanence of God. Listen, oh, man, it's a dark place. Listen to me, light shines brightest when it's dark. Man, my work is screwed up. It's so messed up, man. That is the place that the light will shine the brightest. It's when those dark moments, and it was so cool. So uh, Friday night, our, our men's group uh, took the guy, the, the boys of our church out, had a camp out when kids ministered. Some of the ladies come and did a little uh, time of slumber party with the girls. But I was watching, sitting there in that chair, a campfire burning right there in front of us. And I watched those little kids just run around. And they had their flashlights, and they were shining on each other. They're doing lightsaber stuff and going crazy. Man, the Spirit of God just kind of spoke to my heart and just showed that's what it's about. And each of us, every person here, 
today. God wants you to be a light for him. He wants you to burn for him. And and listen to me. It's real bad in my place. It's real bad at my home. That's your opportunity. That's your place. Oh, Pastor, you don't know how screwed up my situation is. This is your chance for God to use you. This is your chance. And if you'll come and do this, you'll open up your heart to him. You'll say, God, I want you to come back in. Now, whatever the crap and the junk I've been holding on in my life that's filled up the rooms of my life, I want you to clean it out. I want you to remove the rubbish, remove the junk, get out of my situation. And God, you come back into my situation. And God, I want to burn for you again in your spirit, in your presence, in your power. Church used to operate in power. I'm not talking about just the 60s or 50s or whatever. Listen, I'm talking about, man, God has done miraculous things. And the stuff that he's doing in this church, it is crazy. It's, it's, it's just so cool. Me and I just sit back and we talk. We just say, man, ain't it neat who's God's bringing together. I'm so thankful. The Spirit of God spoke those two words to my heart this week. And I'll be speaking at Wednesday at Woodmont High School. There's more. There's more. There's more God wants to do. And when God's people will make themselves available, you know what he'll do? He'll reveal himself. I feel this so strong. The altar of incense was right before you walked into the Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies, we know, represents, again, the manifest presence of God. And we see that here. And and we see his glory. We see his spirit in that place. And it's so life-changing. But listen, it is the prayer of the saints. It is the burning incense of God that ushers us into that place and brings him to us. Listen, I believe we're on the verge right now of something. And I, I, I sit so strong in my heart and my spirit that we are, we're in a place right now and we're in a, we're in a time where this, if, the, if the Spirit of God and the church of the living God would rise up and begin to burn for Him, we'll see a Holy of Holies movement unlike anything we've ever seen. I believe we'll see the manifest presence of God. And some of you are like, man, this thing's real bad in my home. And this thing's really ugly. This thing's real tough. Listen to me. You begin to pray. And we're doing it in this church. People don't like it. But listen, it's what God's called us to do. We're praying more. We're spending more time with me, with him. And when we do this, when we come together and we join together with the saints, when we join together in one another and we offer up that prayer, watch what God will do. The lives will change. He said in Malachi 1.11, he said, from the rising of sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, in every place incense shall be offered to my name. Every place in Malden, South Carolina, incense and his name will be made named great in that place, every place, and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hope. Listen, only hope for America is Jesus. That's it. And the only thing that's going to bring Jesus to America is burning hearts. That's it. That's it. It's not a change in, in the position of the White House. Listen, it's a change of position of our hearts. And I want us today to do this. I want us to just right there where you're at. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Worship team, y'all can come around. Who's his burning ones? We are. Who's his burning ones? We are. It's us. His body. 
It's not a temple sacrifice any longer. It's not a ceremonial thing that, that has to take place. Listen, it is us. It is the prayer of saints. It's what's going to, we're going to see, and I read that, that portion of Scripture in Revelation. It's going to be the thing that's going to bring forth the lightnings and the thunders and the earthquake and the shaking. It's going to be the prayers of the saints. It's going to be the incense of burning people coming before God. It's going to usher that in. And there's been a saying that's been going around for many years. I was going to actually quote a couple of quotes from this given by different people, but I'm not. It's three words, united we stand. And it was Jesus' prayer that his church would be united. Not just so that they can be a peaceful Sunday and have a good service and, and experience maybe a little bit, just a little touch. Listen, that's not what we need unity for. It was in an upper room where he said, you get together. And Jesus told him, you get in that place, you get in that upper room, and you stay there. And you get in one mind, and you get in one accord, and watch what I'll send you. I'll send you my comfort. I'll send you the Spirit. I'll send someone who will go with you and be with you. And they watched what happened. They gathered together. I believe we can see an upper room experience here today. If we come together in unity, it said this, it said the Spirit of God came like a rushing mighty wind. It blew in that place and it set on top of them like flames of burning fire. God's burning our hearts.